0: Hello and welcome to Movie Thoughts. I'm your host, Dominic Tartamella, and here we go again. Uh, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny hits theaters this week. I'm very excited. As you can tell, uh, I've been recording uh, these episodes of the past entries in the series, right? I started with Raiders. I did Temple of Doom. Uh... Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, the third, my favorite in the franchise, might I add. If you haven't listened to those episodes, go back and listen to them. Because right now, we're going to get uh, to the most divisive entry in this series. And that is the fourth installment, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Now, Indiana Jones, uh, the last movie before this was Last Crusade, as I said. That was 1989 and then this film didn't come out to 2008. Um, I don't know you know what, what the mindset was at this point um, with Indiana Jones. They did the young Indiana Jones series not too long after the last Crusade. but I don't know if they had plans to do any more movies. I'm sure they dabbled in it uh, you know over the years George Lucas Steven Spielberg but it, it took a while. Maybe at one point they weren't gonna do it. Uh they were gonna just leave it at three. But they did it. Uh and <laughs> as I said, it is a movie that everybody feels differently about. I personally don't hate this movie, and I never really hated it. Um now rewatching it, I have to say, uh I I think I used to like it a little bit more. I, I think I was nicer to it i don't as i said like i don't sit there and go oh there is no fourth indiana jones i'm not gonna fucking pretend there's no fourth indiana jones there is a fourth indiana jones but i see i see a lot of the problems nowadays with it re-watching it i wonder after seeing dial of destiny whether that's better than this in my opinion or worse than this how i'm gonna feel about kingdom of the crystal skull it's it's okay it's OK. It's I find myself like, you know, I did this for the podcast. I watched all four. I made sure I watched all four. But I know in the past I've watched them. And then when I got up to the fourth one, I kind of just like tune out and, and it kind of happened again, to be honest. I mean, there's there's something about it. You know, some people have said that Harrison Ford's kind of not like bringing it. He's kind of, and I don't see a problem with Harrison Ford's performance. He feels like Indiana Jones to me. But at times, the movie itself doesn't really feel like the Indiana Jones movie we all know and love. It, it feels uh, very modern. And that, that, I think, is maybe something to do with the setting as well, right? The movie opens up with the classic Paramount logo and it morphs into, uh, um, I guess it's a gopher's, like, dirt hill, and you see a CGI gopher. Now, right from the beginning of the movie, the CGI gopher, uh, in hindsight, you know, even seeing it in theaters back in the day, it's kind of like a bad omen. I mean, this isn't fucking Caddyshack, or the god-awful Caddyshack 2. Is a a a gopher needed? And and maybe in that aspect, they should have done a, a puppet gopher like they did in those movies because the CGI kind of doesn't feel right from the, right from the beginning uh, you get Elvis's uh, You Ain't Nothing But a Hound Dog playing and that sets the tone because now we are in 1957 and this film like ushers uh, you know Indiana Jones closer to our time a bit you know at this time as I said it's 2008 they're still way off but 1957 feels more recent than let's say 1938 uh, where like the previous film took place so it starts to feel a little bit more modern and I'm curious to see like with Dial of Destiny because now that one is set in the 60s I think 69 to like uh, 11 years after this and I'm curious to see if it has the same effect on that movie because I think that's part of it whether it's listen it's not it's out. Of, it's out of the control, right? They're setting the movie uh, uh, accordingly to Harrison Ford's age and what the what the timeline would be, but I think that's part of what gets a little lost when you put in the in these more modern times. Now, I don't fucking. Mind. I love Elvis, and I, I I love the song opening the film up, and there's a lot more modern songs apparently in this. Dial of destiny film i mean in one of the trailers there's sympathy for the devil by the rolling stones you know to you know present that time you know have the music it puts you back into into the world but the previous three entries were so long ago uh, you know in the 30s and uh, indiana jones feels most at home in that time and, and that's just the way it is. I mean, he's an archaeologist. He goes in there. He doesn't have... There's not really a lot of technology. There's old cars. There's this. When there's something about it that I think makes it feel uh, a little bit less than an Indiana Jones film, whether it's, you know, Mutt Williams, which we'll get to him in a minute, but the whole greaser thing. It's It's odd seeing that stuff because you're not used to seeing that stuff. And even after all these years of... You know, watching this movie, I could notice that that may be one of the factors that makes it feel different from the other ones. Um, You know, one of the other things they do in the beginning of this movie, which some people hate, some people don't mind. I'm kind of indifferent about it, but they fucking start in the warehouse where uh, the Ark of Covenant was left at the very end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. And, you know, you start to get hints of it. I remember seeing it and being like, is this the fucking warehouse? You hear, like, the music cues and stuff like this. And they're in there. And it's, uh, you know, Indiana Jones is forced to find another artifact for our villains. And you, at one point, see the broken crate with the Ark of Covenant. It's a very quick scene, little Easter egg. But it does kind of undermine uh what went on in Raiders of the Lost Ark and that kind of mystery of of where that was that you know i pictured that warehouse being something that was you know never going to have human beings just walking in it you know they kind of actually show that it's area 51 in this i don't think they did that in raiders but it kind of ruins the mystery a little bit when you go back and watch raiders of the lost ark it doesn't have that uh, but you know, I don't, I don't mind it. I don't mind it so much. I mean, Indy gets a cool intro with, uh, you know, his shadow, and they build it up, and he picks up his hat. Now you got Ray Winstone. Uh, I think his name is Rince Winstein or Winstone, and you know, you know him for like movies like The Departed, and he plays um, Indy's one of Indy's friends, right? And this is an established relationship that they have. He plays George and Mac, and you know, they're kind of building it up as almost like a Sala. And you're kind of sitting there scratching your head going, like, all right, well, if they're building it up and Sala, why isn't it fucking Sala? Well, that's because Ray Winston's character double-crosses Indy a few dozen times in this film. So I understand why Sala uh, wasn't in this role. I heard that the actor was approached to do a cameo at the end of the wedding, but he felt that it was kind of like pointless or whatever kind of undermine the character or whatever to have him in such a small capacity with no real reason but ray winston ray winston whatever the fuck his name is he's he's fine i like him uh he's doing his thing as i said i I, I like him as an actor in general you know he's double cross he's kind of doing the cliche thing of oh you know i'm i'm a double agent and this and that and it, it works for the most part uh, but it all—it also feels a little forced. Their friendship feels a little forced because he is a new character to this franchise. Now, of course, one of the most notorious things about this movie is the nuking of the fridge. Okay. Um, the nuking of the fridge that it's become a term when movies kind of go to the point of no return and they kind of... Just fucking throw everything away, right? It's back in the TV days. There was the they coined the phrase "jumping of the shark" because there was an episode of Happy Days when Fonzie jumped a shark in like a surfing competition or something, and that was forever known as like when Happy Days took a downfall. So now after Indiana Jones, there's the whole nuking of the fridge thing, and it's like, all right, you know, he went in the fridge and the fucking atomic. I actually don't mind this sequence. I think it's cool. I think it's a little different. I I dabbled in this in the last couple episodes talking about the other entries in the series. Like it's a fucking Indiana Jones movie. There's magic, there's mystical shit, there's unrealistic shit. And the nuking of the fridge never seemed like something to me that was like, all right, it's not that outrageous. I mean, they make it a point that it's an old-fashioned fridge, and it's lined with lead and stuff like that. They show it on the screen, whatever. It's Is it believable? Would you fucking survive a nuclear attack? I don't know. Uh, I'll keep that in mind. If, God forbid, something happens, I'll crawl into my fridge. I probably won't be able to get out, but I, I don't mind it as much as a lot of people do. Uh, but let's skip around a little bit. We'll talk about Mutt-Williams. Uh, Shia LaBeouf himself and his introduction. I do, contrary to popular belief, I don't hate Shia LaBeouf in this movie. Um, I think, I mean, I don't know the guy personally. Like, just from the way he presents himself and stuff like that, I think I tend to dislike him more uh, as a real person. I I don't hate his character for the role of what he's doing. He's, you know, listen, he's this teenage fucking jerk, basically. Uh, who later finds out that he's Indiana Jones' son. He's kind of like a punk. He's a greaser, as I said. But I think he does a good job with the role. I think he's doing what he's supposed to be doing in this movie. And I don't mind him. Uh, he went on after this film. I still remember reading the articles on like Joe Blow back in the day. When the movie was still in fucking theaters. He went and he bad-mouthed the movie. He was like, oh. Because you know, the movie started getting some critical... Uh, shit basically <laughs> to to call it something else and it started getting bashed a little bit by fans and he went and he bad-mouthed the movie while the movie was still in its theatrical run now i don't know the quotes exactly i know that spielberg this con, this fucked up their relationship because he was in a few movies like Tran- the first transformers i don't know if spielberg's still involved with transformers as a producer in any way but the first Transformers, at least the first couple, I know Spielberg was a producer on. So Shia LaBeouf was in those, obviously. Um, there was, I remember, there's a movie like Eagle Eye. I think that Spielberg produced or something like that. A few movies that Spielberg produced, Shia LaBeouf was in, and this kind of tarnished his his relationship with Spielberg. And even Harrison Ford went. I remember him saying something. There's some you could look it up. I should have prepared, but Harrison Ford. Uh, went and said, uh, you know, kind of bashed Shia and 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 basically said, you know, he called him a name or something and said, like, you know, you stand by the picture. And listen, Harrison Ford's an old-school fucking guy. He's been doing this for years. And, yeah, you should stand by the product, especially when the movie is in its, uh, you know, infancy and it's in the theaters and that's when it's making its money and that's when it's having its initial run. You know, listen, if it's 30 years later and you're like, you know, I didn't really love that one. Or it's 20 years later, ten, even 10 years later or something like that. And you're saying, ah, "I didn't really like the way the movie came out. I didn't agree with everything." That's fine. That's your prerogative as an actor and whatever. Maybe you got a paycheck and you didn't really it didn't really end up being the movie you want, but like the movie's in fucking theaters, you're bashing it. So then that that if you if the star, and especially Shia LaBeouf at that time, he's a rising star, if you're bashing a movie, it's not going to help it. So I understand the, the rift that was caused between Spielberg and and Harrison Ford speaking up as well and I kind of agree with them on that um you know there's a pretty cool motor, motorcycle scene with them too and they're jumping they're going in libraries they're going out of cars I like that stuff uh you know indie the, the, there's fun stuff in here this movie's not all bad for people that do hate it you know Indiana Jones uh telling Mutt to hit somebody and pick a fight and then the greasers get involved and they take sides. I liked all that stuff. There's there's funny moments in there. As I said in uh, when I talked about Last Crusade, they're kind of trying to um, do the Sean Connery uh, Harrison Ford relationship a, a little bit, especially when you find out that Mutt is actually Henry Jr. Uh, Henry the the third and that he is a son they 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 try to, you know, recapture that magic a little bit. It doesn't work out as well. I think that that Shia LaBeouf and Harrison Ford have good chemistry, but I just don't think uh, the, the script and their relationship uh, works as well. But yeah, th- there's good stuff. Listen, there's some funny jokes. Uh, there's actually a funny joke that was f- funny for a couple of reasons. So there's a, a point when, after that fight, that uh, Mutt is telling Indy that, oh, he's, you know, you fight pretty good for an old man. And there's a pause, and he's like, oh, thanks, you know. And then he says, what are you, 80? And it's actually, it's a funny moment. Uh, Shia delivers delivers the line good, and you actually giggle. But the funnier thing nowadays is, this was 2008, right? Now Harrison Ford is actually 80 years old when the when Dial of Destiny is coming out. I think actually, like, in another week or so, I think it's his birthday. I think he's going to be over 80, which is which is I could be wrong on that, but I thought I heard that somewhere. Which is fucking, it's just a funny little joke that has more meaning and has more depth now because you're seeing this guy do this at eighty, and and he was making a pun on him being eighty. They probably all had a good laugh because it's like at this point, you know, Harrison Ford's twenty years younger, whatever he is, saying all right, make him say I'm saying I'm eighty, whatever. It's funny. Uh, also, you get Karen Allen returning as Marion, and. She's she's a nice addition. It's nice to have her back. She steps right back into that role. Obviously she's a little older just like Harrison Ford, they aged. It's it's this is what happens. Um but she fulfills that role. I like the bantering when they first see each other again and they're, they they kind of go to that place where they're fighting, they're they have a history, they talk about again it didn't work out. And around this time you find out that um Mutt is Indy's son and I like when he finds out that he's Indy's son he kind of changes his whole like attitude because at first he's like yeah do what you want kid don't don't let anybody tell you any different and then then he finds out it's his son he's like why'd you make him why'd you make him stop going to school I like all that because it's very true to the character uh Jonathan Hurt is also in this as Ox and he plays you know he's kind of under a fucking spell half the movie And he he does a good job. He's a fun little addition. There are, you know, for this movie, uh, as much as people hate it, there's there's memorable moments. There's memorable characters. um, As I said, returning characters. You miss out on some of those, like Sala uh, Kate Blanchett is, uh, Arena. she's the villain, and she's pretty good, she's a little, she's a bit too cartoonish at times, that's my only real problem with it, she's a bit too cartoonish, you know, she's kind of got mixed motives, but she works for the most part, but like I said, I think the things that take me out of it the most is like, um, the more modern setting, uh, and yet again, I can't blame it, because now the next one's going to be the same thing, it's going to be even more, you know, closer to our time, but the, the CGI, too. There's a lot of CGI in this movie. And and, and as I said, the gopher in the beginning is kind of like a metaphor for where this film is going to go, and it goes to those places. And and that big CGI kind of takes me out of it. You know, John Williams, obviously back again for the fourth time and, and does a great score and all that fun stuff. And then, you know, the, the, the artifact itself, the crystal skull, is cool. I like the design. I don't mind... The whole alien thing. Uh, That's another thing. Like a lot of people are kind of like, oh, the fucking aliens. It's kind of like out there for an Indiana Jones movie. First of all, and I'll stress that I've said this probably on the last episodes, but like look at all the wild shit that happens in the other three movies. Whether it's the shit, the wild, dark shit that goes down in Temple of Doom the the face melting and raiders uh the, the the all the shit with the holy grail and healing and you know Indiana Jones for 5 minutes is basically uh, you know in, an indestructible you know superhero after drinking that water and you know I don't mind the aliens it's not out of the realm of possibility they kind of call them inter what is it called like uh intergalactic beings or whatever the hell they call them and uh, you know they kind of they look like something out of Spielberg's other movie, Close Encounters. Not so much like E.T. You know, they're more of that gray, kind of generic. But I would have appreciated uh, more of a a practical effect with them too if we would have went old school and built it up. I just feel like Indiana Jones, the, the classic Indiana Jones stuff is synonymous with those practical effects. And you kind of miss out there. And that's uh, uh, really the the main problem, I think, with this movie. You know, the script, maybe it's not as strong as the others, but I think that's what takes a lot of fans out of this movie. And there's the big fucking one. There's the monkey scene, okay? The monkey swinging scene with Shia LaBeouf, uh, you know, towards the end of the movie is unforgivable. I mean, I can't in, in any, uh you know, capacity, in any universe... Uh, I can I cannot justify this scene existing. I think it's way too cartoonish. It feels like something out of fucking Jumanji. It's stupid. And there's a scene right before it when he's sword fighting on the car uh, with Kate Blanchett. And, like, just by comparison, th- the monkey stuff, because I don't really like the sword stuff, but, like, the monkey stuff by comparison, makes that look like gold. That makes that scene like a a chef's kiss kind of thing. But the fucking monkeys, I don't know what the fuck they were thinking. And I I love Spielberg. I love George Lucas. I, I grew up with their films like everybody else. And But I understand now why they kind of took a backseat with this newest one, because nobody wants to fucking listen to people complain. I'm complaining about the fucking monkey scene still after all these years. And there's fans that are worse than me that are fucking... about kingdom of the crystals gold forever so i understand why he didn't direct this one he decided to do other things and they weren't as involved they passed it on to james mangold with dial destiny so we'll see how it ends up but i completely get it because after the criticism they got for this it's probably like you know what fuck it we tried we didn't do it maybe we're out of touch maybe somebody new's got to come in at least if it sucks or if somebody else messes it up it's not our problems uh, I did like the whole um, ant scene. Yet again, it's CGI. Could have maybe done some of it practical. Listen, we're living in a modern age. I understand why they do it fucking CGI. So I'm not going to sit here and be like, I want it to be rubber fucking ants. Uh, that that scene's pretty good. It kind of has that creepy horror-esque touch that a lot of the Indiana Jones movies do have. Uh, there's the funny scene with the three waterfalls. It works. Yet again, nothing out of the realm of possibility in Indiana Jones movie. It all works. And then there's, of course, the ending with the aliens when they're basically giving the information to to Kate Blanchett. She wants to know everything. She wants to know everything. She wants to know everything. And her fucking head and eyes shoot out light, and she fucking brain explodes kind of thing, Uh, similar to the brain-melting stuff. Uh, I can't say it enough. I'm like a broken record. Would have loved if it was a little bit more prosthetic, or um, uh, you know the, those older effects. It's not. It's very CGI. That scene too. A lot of it when the when the tomb and all that the ruins are kind of crumbling. It feels very video gamey. It feels very like they're in front of a, a green screen. Because that's what it basically is. And and that kind of takes me out of it too. You you know, With an Indiana Jones movie, you want to feel like you're in the fucking tombs with him. You want to feel like you're in the ruins with him. And when that stuff really isn't there, it gets harder to believe that. Your eye recognizes that. And and those are the faults that this movie really has. But there's good stuff. Listen, even when the fucking flying saucer comes at the end and it's spinning and it goes into another dimension, I don't even mind it. It is what it is. I don't hate, I like alien stuff. I, I never thought I'd see, you know, at a certain point in my life, I never thought I'd see aliens in an Indiana Jones movie. But yet again, Spiel, this is Spielberg we're talking about. He's fucking done E.T. He's done Close Encounters of the Third Coin. Uh, uh, is is it out of the realm of possibility? No. Uh, so I, I don't hate all that stuff. And I like the ending. I like the ending with the wedding. Um, You get that. That's where Sala would have popped up. And you get the little nice moment when Indiana Jones hat blows away, Shia LaBeouf goes for it, and then fucking Indiana Jones yanks it from him as he's about to put it on and puts it on and smiles at him. And it's like, you know, you kind of had that moment in the theater, I remember, like, oh, they're setting it up. He was reaching for the hat, Shia LaBeouf, and it was like, ah, they're setting it up for a reboot. They're setting it up for a remake with, you know, him continuing it and stuff like that. And then they, 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 that's a little wink at the audience. Like, we know what you're thinking. You're thinking we're going to replace Indiana Jones, and guess what? We're not. So, thank God, Spielberg, Lucas, they had the hindsight to know at least not to do that because God knows where we would have been with a fifth installment or future installments if they would have let Mutt Williams put on that hat. But yeah, there's a lot, of, there's good moments in here, there's bad moments in here. As I said, when it comes down to rankings, for me, it's Last Crusade, Raiders. Temple of Doom, and then this coming in at 4th. Uh, I'm curious to see where Dial of Destiny hits me and where it sits on that list to be continued on that aspect. Also, so Ma- the actor that played Marcus Brody in Last Crusade and Raiders, he had passed away at this point. And there's a moment in the beginning of the movie where he's like, oh, we lost Mark, we lost Brody, we lost Marcus, whatever the hell he calls him, and we lost Dad. And there's a picture of Sean Connery uh, on the table as well. Sean Connery at this point who, you know, has now passed away, was not dead at this point, and there was talk that he was maybe gonna do it. He decided not to. He was I think he was retired. I think at one point he was gonna come out of retirement. It would have been cool to see him, uh, to some capacity, but he decided not to do it. I don't know where he would have fit overall in the story. If maybe he would have came back, uh, maybe they would have gave him a bigger role. There might have been an interesting dynamic with him uh being the grandfather than Uh, of mutt you know and that that three generations of henry jones could have been cool right but we'll probably never see that uh in any capacity well because one sean connery's passed away as i said ripped to the legend and shia is not in dial that's not even what i've heard Uh, i've heard some things uh, i'm not going to get into it I, I, i heard a rumor that's probably true uh, and we'll we'll see when we see the movie. But yeah, that's it. Uh, that was my rundown with the pr- these these four episodes of the Indiana Jones franchise. As I said, if you didn't listen to the other ones, go check out the other ones: Raiders, Temple, uh, Last Crusade, and now this. So I'm excited. Dial Destiny. I'm going to see it Thursday probably. I'm aiming to see it. So I'll do my little podcast on that. Uh, probably started off non-spoilers or spoiler-free, and then I'll announce if I'm going to get the spoilers, so you're safe to listen to it if you're just going to check it out before seeing the movie. Uh, and that's the podcast. If this is the first time you listen to the podcast, thank you for listening. Check out the other episodes. As I said, check me out on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram at Dom Solo Reels, where I post funny videos, and rate, like, subscribe, and all that fun stuff. Thanks for listening. Have a good night.